Hi. You guys want cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined as I always am by my bosom buddy, Bubby Castrone. Hey, bub. Hey, Dan. Good to see you in the flesh. In the nice. In the flesh. Six feet away. Uh-huh. Fully sterilized. Uh-huh. We're doing everything by the books. Except Pretty for close. The, except for the fact that I'm here. But everything else, we're taking every precaution. Is this legal? Street legal. Street legal. Yeah, Gavin Newsom, if he finds us, will break our skulls. But we just have to avoid the noose. That's it. Gavin Newsom, pretty hot governor. He's one of the hottest yes, right no. now. Are you saying hot like he's popular hot or hot like you're Physically attractive. He kind of looks like a bad guy in an 80s movie. Yeah. Like a bad, like the bad governor. But I'm not... That, oh, the governor that's popular, but then behind the scenes is like a bad guy right, in a like Seagal he, movie. He's the guy that tries to like... Well, I don't yeah. care if it's going to kill somebody. We need the combat sport. And then like right. Zeus and Hulk fight like right. he's that governor. Right. No holds barred reference. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So he's the no holds barred governor, but he's doing a, a wonderful job keeping us alive. And his chief of staff is that guy that was in no holds barred. That yeah. was the bad weasel guy in every so, movie. So good at being a weasel for like 15 years in a row. And and give it give it up for Mike Myers, who repurposed him as a weasel turned good. In, I believe, Wayne's World too. Mike Myers always gets it. He did, and then he didn't. <laughs> and then he stopped getting everything. Bob, this is uh, the last uh, night of my 30s. Well, that's the real reason I'm here. I need, I need the wire. I'm pointing to a wire. Oh. The real reason I'm here is because I realized that, you know what? We, we had planned on doing an episode this week, and it just wasn't going to be the same being so far apart. You are, after all, my bosom buddy. Yep. And, uh, right in the title uh, setup of the show. I mean, you said that already. Intro, yeah. So I wanted to be here for your last night of your 30s, and I wanted to share with you a very special gift we got from a very special listener. Ooh. A man is drinking as he kicks it into high gear. He throws it back like copper, then switches to beer. He's from Peru, but he lives in California. And if you don't like Bono, he'll be sure to scorn ya. He's got a friendly face. His hair's always in place. He's good in a big spot, and he's groomed above the base. He goes around the NFL, Tito's and Seltzer treats him well. But now he's old as hell, cause... Is 40. So hurry up and get the whiskey and wine. Dan Hansis is 40. It's been Dan's time to shine, shine, shine. <laughs> wow, hitting on a lot of the, the excellent aspects of life. I enjoyed <laughs> it. Tito's, you had a uh, Liam Gallagher, Shine. In there, what else do we have? I didn't want to. I don't want to miss. That was Joe D. I imagine that was Joe D. Prospero. Uh, a <laughs> little boy, little Boyd Tinsley ref about boy being uh, groomed above the base. Yeah, <laughs> don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever think, Dan, uh, that when you were turning Thank forty, you, that turning forty, you would have your own theme song for this occasion? No, uh, that is pretty cool. But it also the chorus did you know hit hard there that. Um, when I do wake up tomorrow, I will be 
40 years old and uh there's no going back i mean there's no choice i mean there is there's a way to stop it it's I, by doing podcasts in a garage during a pandemic right yeah. exactly uh that or after you leave tonight bob i will you know pour some kerosene and then uh light a match oh my god that that will, that's that really will keep me from getting to 40 as well in the garage in the garage. The okay, garage yeah. is going down. Right. Um, I, yeah, and I was thinking about that. Like, uh, he mentioned Bono and how I would scorn anyone that didn't like Bono. Accurate. Um, one of my favorite albums of all time is All That You Can't Leave Behind, which we've done on the show, uh, released when Bono was 40 years old. Mm. And I think it's the last, in my opinion, great U2 album. So I think I have one more great podcast in me. And I got the Around the NFL podcast. And then right. it's just like, can I, is there one more in me, one more quality podcast? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do Maybe. I, do I have two in me? I don't know. I don't know if you do either. Nobody does. Um, we gave it a try with this one. Right. This one never took off as great. So I'm just thinking, well, do I have my, on, my beautiful day? Depends you know? on the metric. Um, you don't, for the record. And uh, this is the closest thing you'll have to late period U2. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that is UA. This kind of does sync up a little bit. Yeah. I will say that one of the things that uh, turning 40, like part of my midlife crisis being 40, is I find myself whenever I'm watching old movies or TV shows, I am on IMDb looking to see how old everybody was when they made it. I, yes. kinda, I keep falling down these wormholes where it's yeah. like, oh, uh, Gary Shandling was 42 the first season of The Larry Sanders Show. Like, I want to know how old everybody is because 40, the thing about being 40, everybody who's older than you is not that much older than you. Like, everybody right. who's relevant and old is within 15 years of you, which right. doesn't feel like a lot when you're 40. And you could, you could kind of um, bend the rules there a little bit. So you could say, oh, Gary Shandling, 42, when The Great Larry Sanders Show came out so i still got time well he had been famous for like 15 years already oh, totally yeah. and had you know another iconic series at scary shandling show before right. that um so you you kind of have to squint sometimes it's not even compar- when you get to this it's age. not even comparing myself and my career and where i'm at although i am doing that too it's finding just wanting to know like these people who've appeared old to us when we were young right were this like billy crystal's character in city slickers when they were having all of their their marital problems and everything in life was terrible, their characters were supposed to be 39 years old. So, so like, that's where we're at. We're there. It's funny, too, because everyone, the stars of that movie, Billy Crystal, Daniel Stern, those guys were born 39. I know. They looked 39 when they were, you know, 18. Uh, so, you know. It is what it is. And the timing of it happening during a global pandemic a year ago when I turned 39, Bob, remember we were at the Big A and we saw the Yankees mm-hmm. beat the Angels in 15 innings or something and sitting right behind the dugout. And that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Great way to turn 39. And Better uh, than a cattle drive with John Lovitz. <laughs> and now, uh, you know, this is not ideal. But this is fun. I'm glad we're doing this. It, we're, we're close enough to six feet away from it each other. It does, uh, until we start cuddling during hurt. It does um, It does solve the problem, though, about whether or not you're going to have a birthday party, like a 40th celebration for you. You don't. You no, don't. It actually solves it neatly. Yeah. Um, and you had a similar situation back in January when you turned 40. You were going to have something, and then... You decided, eh. I decided, eh, and I kind of punted it to you when right. we were talking like, oh, maybe we'll do something to solve it. in the spring, like with everybody. No. 
we kicked around the idea, Emily and I, of her organizing something. What's what's the beach there by uh, El Segundo where you can make you could have the fire on the beach mm-hmm. and maybe get a taco truck? But then we found out that you can't drink. Like, what are we doing here? Oh, come on! You can't drink on the beach. So it's like, isn't that the whole thing? Right. So that that plan was scuttled. And then before there was another plan, this happened. Yep. So that's it. So I'm just. This is my essentially what you're listening to is my 40th birthday celebration. This is how we do it. This, this is, is it. How we do <laughs> this is how we're doing it nowadays. Um, so it's only fitting on the eve of my 40th birthday that we're talking about one of my favorite artists, Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I I emailed, I texted you and said, pick an, out, pick an artist that well, you Well, I threw uh, out Kings of Leon, which is love. one of my favorite artists of the last decade. And granted, they've dropped off pretty considerably. Um, but it wasn't really doing much for you. I could sense it. So I, I, I backed off. And even though it's you know my birthday, we're going to do... An album that you had. So. Well, how about this? We're doing two of these tonight. <laughs> this is one that you and I have both wanted to do. Another big artist from the 90s that we haven't hit yet. So how about this? The second album that we nope. do. Horse Out of the Barn. I want you to pick. Because that one gets released two weeks outside or three weeks after my birthday, right? So what, at what point? Like, who gives a but shit? But like, then? you'll know deep down. You'll know that this <laughs> was your birthday present. Um, late period Kings of Leon. I am. I am excited. I was going to go mid period, but I was uh, happy to do Nine Inch Nails because, first of all, one of the very biggest acts of the 90s. The 90s is unfortunately our wheelhouse as men <laughs> at this stage. And uh, we had not touched them yet. And we're, what, 102, 103 episodes deep. It's overdue. Uh, Trent Reznor's earned that. Oh, he is. Uh, he has. And they are. As of this year, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. So let's get into it. Let's talk about it. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is so lame. So lame. So lame. My son asked me, like, Dad, do you ever want to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And I was like, no, of course not. Stop asking me stupid questions. I'm sick of you. You smack them. Every day with you. Every single day when I wake (laughs) up, you're here. (laughs) No, I would go there if I was in Cleveland, which, you know, if we have Cleveland listeners, shout out to you guys. But... uh, I don't imagine a scenario where I'm in Cleveland, but if I am in Cleveland, I would go not because like I'm in Cooperstown and I want to see the Baseball Hall of Fame and, and nod my head in respect for the monument that it is. None of that. It probably just has a bunch of cool exhibits oh, connected totally. to rock and roll. I've, I've been to Nashville twice, and I've been to the Country Music Hall of Fame twice. Right. But how about this? The It's a flawed premise. They tried to make it like a Hall of Fame thing where you get in on merit, and it's just a weird thing to do. And then they get they box themselves in a corner, and it's Jan Wenner of uh, Rolling Stone is like the big guy behind it, where it's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But then it's like, well, geez, we got to be cool about like letting in blues legends and people right. that, uh, and that all made sense because that was the blueprint for rock and roll. But then they were like, oh, but now we feel like out of touch old white guys, so let's put Public Enemy in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And then it's just like, right, Public Enemy. I mean, they're legendary, but. What what connection do they have to rock and roll? What so like you get they started like, to like go down this like, way. What is rock and roll, man? <laughs> it becomes that. Once you get into that realm, once you're a like, museum that becomes that, you're not a thing. You're a hard rock cafe, and that's it. I don't know. How did we get here? Oh but, my um, god! So angry old men compare, complaining about how about you know, uh, your buddy uh, Apatow? It could have. He He's not my buddy, but if you'd like to uh, hang out sometime, I'm available. You could email me just anytime. Ouch. Um, this is 40. That could have been the movie to watch when you turn 40. 
and instead no one thinks about that movie ever. <laughs> I, I need to watch that now to see how old Paul Rudd was in This Is 40. See, that's what I do now is I, oh. yeah. Well, Paul Rudd is really a he doesn't count. He doesn't case. count as a person. But you know what? We're going back to a time when you and I were, were just 14 years old. Dad. You're kids. No, I was 14. You weren't even 14 yet. 13 years young. We are going back to March 8th, 1994, the day that the Downward Spiral came out. Wow. I was 13. My dad just sent Don Mattingly. Here's the thing, turning old, Bob, or getting old. Our favorite players, children. Don Mattingly, Mm -hmm. number 23, the hitman. His birthday is April 20th. And I was always a little jealous of you that you and Don both had April birthdays. And also, and your I birthday was, was his number. Yes, no, I was, I was, was kismet. I resented you for that. <laughs> um, I'm sure there was a cool January seventh connection Does, for you, Katie Couric. Oof. Anyway, Don Mattingly uh, turned 59 uh, on uh, Monday, and my dad sent me a video that he saw on Twitter, and you know, shout out to Keith Hansen. Yeah, Keith, me, uh, look at that. Videos. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> of a game that I went to with him in September of 1993. It was a game against the Red Sox. The Yankees were kind of on the, on the come up at that point, but weren't quite ready for prime time. They hung around in the race, ended up finishing about five or six games behind the Blue Jays, but it was a positive season. Right before the season went in the toilet in the last two weeks, I was at, a, at, at the uh, stadium, and Don Mattingly had the game-winning hit in a game, if there's any Yankee fans, will remember the game where Mike Stanley popped out to end it, but a crazy fan ran on the field right as the pitch was coming, so they waved it off, and then the Yankees kept the rally going, and then Mattingly won it. I told my dad that I was 13, and then he's like, yeah, I was 39. I was like, wait, my dad was 39 once, and it wasn't that long ago? Yeah, it was, but you know what? It's a weird age. It It plays tricks with your mind. It was that long ago. All right. Anyway, 1994. You know what else was happening in March 94? What? WrestleMania 10. I was there. March 20th, 1994. <laughs> You're right. It and, was, of uh, course, the, uh, the main event. It was the ladder match. Well, that wasn't the main event. Right. It was the, the main event was, geez, I don't remember the main event. If, do you want me to give you one of them? Uh, yeah, it was Lex Luger involved. Bret Hart. Oh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels? Yokozuna. Yokozuna, yeah. And Bret Hart either won the title or retained it. But... The match everybody knows from WrestleMania 10 is the ladder match between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. And for our young, uh, for our young listeners, this is back when you had a WrestleMania. There were fans in the crowd. It was a much mm-hmm. different era. Very di- And uh, a tight end, uh, a recently unretired <laughs> tight end, wasn't winning the championship <laughs> on a run-in, whatever then, happened. And then the playing most, football most again. Yeah. At the end of that month, Dan, on March 31st, a basketball player by the name of Mikhail Jordan um, was assigned to the Birmingham Barons of Class AA from the Chicago White Sox. The yep. baseball thing just did not work out. No, and nobody heard of that Miguel Jordan ever again. Never again. That was that. Movies that came out that month. Documentary is great. So good. Yeah. So good. Uh, Check it out. Some amazing sequels came out that month, including Mighty Ducks 2. D2, I think it was called. D2, yeah. yeah. Major League 2. I just watched like half of that on Netflix. Really? They just put it on Netflix, not Major League <laughs> 1, which I would have watched in a second, but it's Major League 2, and it, it has, uh, instead of, well, Pedro's back, Pedro Serrano, who ended up being President Palmer. Obviously. On 24. 
but they turn him into like a hippy dippy guy. So he loses his um, voodoo edge. And then this um, Asian stereotype guy joins yes. the team. His name is uh, Tanaka. And he tells uh, President Palmer that you have no marbles. And that gives yeah. that gives Serrano the eye of the tiger back. And also Charlie Sheen loses the eye. Of the, the whole movie's about everybody losing the eye of the tiger and then getting it back. See, one of the great things or terrible things about the 90s was that, you know, there was only one pass at his at Tanaka's name. Really? Like, you know, he's like a Japanese guy. What's his name? I don't know. Tanaka. Like, that was it. That was it. There was never any like, oh, what should we maybe think about? That was that, they Tanaka. were done. He's Tanaka. Now. And you got to give Stallone credit. Every sports movie now, basically, especially any movie that has a sequel, is all about the eye of the tiger and yeah. being great and then losing your edge and then getting it back. Did that exist before um, Rocky (laughs) Three? Were there movies before Rocky Three? I don't don't think think so. so. Yeah, I would say no. And finally, the other uh, sequel that month, Naked Gun, thirty-three and a third, (laughs) which you and I watched. Yes, about six million times. Six trillion times. In fact, I we've talked about on this show, but a few weeks back in this very garage uh, where we're doing the bunker casts for the around the NFL podcast, I did talk about the Scrambler to the worldwide audience and let them know that. There were two pay-per-view channels, 90, Channel 95 and Channel 98. And uh, yes, you would essentially rewatch these movies over and over again. Yes. And of course, I'm sure you mentioned, or we might have done it here, that Naked Gun 33 and a third was a scant like 87 minutes long with credits. so short. So, it was so insane. It was like nor- barely a movie. Normally what would happen with a comedy, it would be like 96 minutes long. So you'd have to wait another 24 minutes till the top of the hour. For the next screening. Right. This got under. So it was just on loop constantly. Total loop. There was never any loop. commercial. So, yeah, And a got- funny movie. It's not as good as like the original or maybe even the second one, but it's still got, you know, a joke every 12 seconds. And that's fun. And for a couple of young pervs, Anna Nicole Smith. Yes. Yes. Although she was never really my thing. I know. Yeah, you're too classy. Yeah, she seemed a little sloppy. Yeah. A little like somebody would be like, oh, married with children. The guy. On. The guy that uh, Anna Nicole Smith married, that rich billionaire, 38 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that hurts. I thought you were talking about Howard K. No, remember that old man that was in a wheelchair? (laughs) He was 38. What about some deep aughts uh, pop culture, Howard K. Stern, her uh, manager lawyer? Oh, right. That's a forgotten piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Birthdays, people that were born... This month, Dan, Justin Bieber, Tyree Kill, and Joel Embiid were all born the month that the Downward Spiral came out. Don't care. And, of course, very sad, John Candy died. Oh, that sucked. That sucked. The same day that Kurt Cobain overdosed in Rome. Yes. But I was, the one good thing to come out of John Candy dying that month was... Uh, Wagons East? 14 years later, when I was working on a show for Go90, when we were trying to cast, kind of stunt cast some roles... And we needed like a funny comedic actor to show up, like a middle-aged guy. John one, John Candy showed one up. One of the producers put together a list, and John Candy was on the list. What? And I lost my mind <laughs> in a good way. I could not stop laughing <laughs> that it was like all these people, like Peter Gallagher. It was all these people who like might do it, and John Candy was on there. <laughs> did anybody tell him? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. What I if, very happily told her that John Candy's been dead for twenty-five years. What if John years. Candy wasn't dead? And, and she was, knew that was her way of telling us. He was just waiting by the phone for you to call him for your digital show. Like he had lost a bunch of weight. He's just been like waiting. Yeah. yeah. And then like when you didn't call him, he just said, all right, back to the crypt. Well, so he is dead. <laughs> I'm so confused. Dan, what was the number one song in Canada when uh, 
when the downward spiral came out. Canada, eh? Yeah, let's go to Canada. This dance hit. Max Weinberg warming it up. Don't remember it being this long. Here we go. What a sense of uh, melancholy here and the infinite sadness. Not the album, just it no, no, really this sets the tone. Sadness. I was bruised and battered, I couldn't tell what I felt. I was unrecognizable to myself. I saw my reflection in a window and didn't know my own face. Oh, brother, gonna leave me wasting away. Streets of Philadelphia, Bruce Springsteen won an Oscar for Best Song. And uh, I'm a huge Bruce fan, but I didn't get into Bruce until the end of the 90s. And for people in our age range that were too young for all the Born in the USA madness, Bruce was just kind of this dinosaur from your childhood that was on the periphery. And then he was popping up every once in a while in the 90s in pop culture with like this song and then, of course, The Secret Garden. There was kind Jerry of no, Maguire at song. This, it's weird to think at this point there was kind of no difference between Bruce Springsteen and Brian Adams. Right. Or like or solo sting. It was just right. kind of like this adult contemporary artist. And uh, and then when he got the E Street Band back together and they went on that tour, the reunion tour that led to a creative spark and him becoming Bruce again and people rediscovering his music and uh, which is really fun. Uh, it was kind of like one of my favorite uh, subplots of 2000s music. But uh, this is a really nice song, though. Oh, yeah. So nice. You kind of forget about it. You don't like give it the respect to actually listen to it because it's just like all you can think about is Tom Hanks dying of AIDS. Yeah. But it's pretty fucking nice. Like clothes don't fit me no more. A thousand miles just to slip the skin. He could still write. He just kind of was in hibernation, which is... Which I've, I've think, said, Bob, with you too. I some part of me does wish like you two went underground for a decade or so because I think it would have helped them to not try so hard to stay in the picture. I think it helped Springsteen to disappear for a decade. Nothing would have helped you too. Um, do you think that maybe I'll never help you? And we are we're thankfully Tom Hanks appears to be okay, fully recovered from. Some people say it's not real from COVID nineteen. Have you heard this? No, I haven't. Some people, streets talking, that it's possible that this was all that Hanks fake. and Hanks and oh the the whole coronavirus or no, just no, no, Tom no, Hanks? No. Hanks that it's some type of um, Illuminati type. Oh, there's scheme of some kind. There's some crazy stuff out there. I have fallen down some um, some funny crazy wormholes at night. I haven't seen that one. More like the Bill Gates. Are you on your, your far left blogs, like Blogspot sites? I think this is the far right, I think. I don't know. I got to go everywhere. But this is like... Wait, you go to the far right blogs? Oh, I'm you're some, just trying to get your... You're trying to give yourself a stroke? I just want to know. I just want to know what they're saying. Like, you know, Bill Gates is responsible for the whole thing. But no, what I was going to say is, do you think that if, God forbid, Tom Hanks did have the coronavirus and did succumb to it, Bruce Springsteen would have gone the Elton John route and kind of repackage oh. this as a COVID-19 song. Just think about it. I think Bruce has more integrity than an Elton John figure. but Number one song of all time, dude. 
Bruce could have seen that and been like, this could be my princess die. I can't rule it out. I can't rule it out. I mean, it's a good idea. Straight up good idea. I kind of want Tom Hanks to get it again, just so Bruce Springsteen can do it. So you want Tom Hanks to die? <laughs> I didn't say that. but I yeah. mean, you essentially said that. I basically said that. That's America's uncle or dad, depending on what online article you're reading. <laughs> All right, let's get into it, Bob. The Downward Spiral. It's the biggest hit Trent Reznor ever had. Mr. Self-Destruct starts it off. So uh, here we go. I think some of this was recorded in Sharon Tate's house. That sounds right. That's one of those classic facts we're going to butcher, so I'm going to look that up. It was probably the Marilyn Manson album or something. good running music it's good like torturing somebody that you just kidnapped who was running by your house music also so you could be the runner <laughs> two different ways to look you at be it. the runner i'll be the guy who lures you in the house <laughs> and gets you in my basement and plays this like tom hanks now that i'm turning 40 i'm just gonna start running across the country oh wow yeah i feel like that will be cool so hacky yeah such a terrible thing uh to do. mr self-destruct opens up the downward spiral and yes my uh, memory did not fail me in 1992 resner moved to 1050 cielo drive in benedict canyon los Angeles, which is what a few miles away from his tops right now oh so close yeah, yeah. um where actress sharon tate was murdered by members of the manson family it was uh, used uh, allegedly it was used as a studio called Le Pig for recording Broken, the 92 album, and The Downward Spiral. Uh, and uh, Le Pig, you remember, in blood scrawled on victims and on the wall, I believe, Die Piggies Die. That's like the mindset I would want to be in when writing an album. Trent Reznor, like, that's why he got laid so, like, epically throughout the 90s, because <laughs> he was like this tall, hot, brooding guy that was dark as fuck. So dark. The name of the studio is Le Peg. Anyway, I get it. That's a good way to start the album. It's very... Uh, it's This is what this is, yeah. It's industrial. It's, it's not definitely not a single. It's techno, but not the techno that we listened to a few weeks back. No. And uh, I did own this album because I think I needed to get something to counter August and everything after. Smart. And this is on the other side of the uh, spectrum, for sure. It was also an album that everybody had. Yeah. I didn't, but every it seems like it was, if you were an avid record collector at this point, and once, you know, closer hit, and then it's not like they came out of nowhere. They had been putting out records since the late 80s. I'm saying they. Was it just him? 
I think it was a Was day. it a real band? I think it was a real band. That's a good question. I mean, he, he, was, he probably had an iron grip more than even like a Billy Corgan, I can imagine. It was Trent Reznor's show all the way. But right. uh, Pretty Hate Machine came out in 89, and that had still my favorite Nine Inch Nils song, Head Like a Hole. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. So good. Might even have to listen to that at the end of this. Um, Pretty and- Hate Machine was also kind of amazing because it was, I think it's technically an EP. Oh, is it? But it did the uh, hidden track thing where there were no tracks from like five until 96. And then there were like four tracks at the end. Really? So your CD player would just click ahead 70, That's pointless. 80 times. No, it was cool, Dan. It was cool. Uh, it was a full album, by the way. Okay. Just for the record. We're Thank just, you. We're trying to be really factual today. Now that you're 40, all <laughs> about the facts. Uh, so, yeah, I... This was a great album to have. And as I recall, it was one of the ones that had a different type of sleeve, which made it stick out in your record collection, too. Yep. Had like a cardboard sleeve, of some, which I hated. That Kind of like a Vitology thing where it would just kind Nothing of Nothing was worse than up. Vitology. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst. Because you, you, the only way to even fit Vitology was to slide it the other way where you're seeing the actual like book pages. Mm-hmm. And it just ruined the entire like look. Yeah. In fact, in the Throwback Podcast Garage, where we're recording right now, I have a stack of probably about 50 CDs stacked against uh, the wall behind Bob. And all the ones that we had, it's mostly your CDs because mine are still back in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, all the ones that had those type of sleeves, I kept them out of the mix because it did Visually, later, aesthetically, it's a nightmare. I can't do it. Anyway, I like that as a start to the album. I like Nine Inch Nails. I've never, I never got into them as an album band, but I think he puts out great fucking singles. Even into the 2000s. Oh, yeah. And there's nothing, I mean, as far as popular music goes, I don't think there's anything really like them. I see a theme here. Track two, Bob, is called Piggy. And again, he's at Cielo Drive. He's recording in the place where the most infamous murders of the 20th century um, potentially took place. And Piggy, once again, connection to the alleged murderer, that Tom, Hank, that Tom Hanks may or may not have been involved in. Who knows? Interesting. Here's Piggy. Hey, Pig. Yeah, you. Hey, Pig, Piggy, Pig, Pig. this one so cool yeah this was definitely the first track i would listen to on repeat listenings i would skip over my mr self-destruct a little too much a lot for me it's a little heavy yeah especially for for a county crows fan (laughs) 
But uh, yeah, this is it's, really cool. You can't really go from raining in Baltimore <laughs> uh, straight to that track one. But yeah. this is a nice little, and it's a great track too. This yes. feels like a perfect kind of spot for this song, even not having heard the rest of the album yet. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Wait, I have, I'm fascinated by this stuff, so I'm just going to share some more of it. Um, that's Yellow Drive House, where I recorded it. Um, yes, he named the studio after the message scrawled on the front door with Tate's, Sharon Tate's blood by her murderers. He stayed there for 18 months uh, with his former manager, uh, and he called his first night at the house terrifying because he, cause he already knew it and read books related to the incident. And right now, Bob, they I think they bulldozed this house. They did, yes. And built a you know a hideous mansion. Allegedly, yeah. No, this is this is true. Yeah, because I've read about this. And you know who lives in the hideous mansion where the beautiful Hollywood uh, home of Sharon Tate was? Ed Sheeran, Jeff Franklin. Oh, from Full House. Full House creator, <laughs> and like I think, like slimy Hollywood type. Jeff, I think he has some. Now really? you don't have to say this. I'll say it. I think if you look up Jeff Franklin, he's got some heat connected to him. Really? Uh, he has a big offensive house where this piece of uh, Los Angeles history once stood. Infamous Los Angeles. Maybe something should be knocked down, but I don't know. LA is very bad with that. Knocking right. down everything. Yeah. Your Amoebas on the, uh, in trouble right now? It's in a lot of trouble. I mean, a lot of places are in trouble, but Amoeba Records is potentially on its way out. Yeah, that's it. All right, that's really good. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, takes us to. I like the track names too. So you can understand why this guy was. Still, he's a smart dude. A ton of pipe. Still, he's a smart dude laying pipe. I mean, this guy's in a haunted house laying a ton of pipe <laughs> uh, because his songs, Mister Self Destruct. I mean, that is, ooh, you're dangerous. I shouldn't be with you. And then Piggy, which is just like, whoa, that's salacious. And then track three, Heresy. Living in a haunted house either means you get no ass or all the ass. All the ass. There's nothing in between. It's the best haunted house in American history. Yeah, the that's Tate true. House. Yeah. I think I watched a maybe a behind the music on Nine Inch Nails, uh, and they have footage of um, like moving into the house, and it was nothing had been changed. It looked exactly as it did in 1969. I'm going to stop talking about that soon, Bob, but I just no, want to not. let you it's know fine. that like, no. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think we talked about it at the year-end show, is one of my favorite movies of the decade. This would have been a good Mark Sessler episode because he is disturbingly obsessed with the Manson murders. We could probably do the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood soundtrack at some point. Let him just go nuts. Great call. <laughs> this guy is playing pipe. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I fucking this album's on fire. I right fucking now. blasted this so hard, like eight months after my bar mitzvah. <laughs> Could you do the same dance moves you learned from the Spring Valley Dance Studio? Could you kind of take it from whatever it was, CC Peniston, to this? Don't know what you're talking about. That never happened. I never admitted to anything. Uh no, this is like a badass song when you're a teenager and you're trying to like just rage against anything. God is dead and no one cares if there's hell. I'll see you there. That was great. I pretty love good. this. That's pretty good. 
Only two singles released from this album. This is not one of them. Piggy and we'll hear it at the end, Hurt, were promotional singles, but only two formal singles. And in terms of breaking it down, Bob, I believe, chronology-wise, there was the first album. What was the Head Like a Hole album? Uh, Pretty Hate Machine or no? Pre- the one, the Pretty one Hate Machine. Yeah. And then there was, I believe, an EP. That's what I and was And then this before. was the right. um, second LP. Right. Uh, all right. So, I mean, we're off to a good start here. It's cool. This is better than... Anything else in this realm? Who who were Trent Reznor's peers at this time? Like who else? Tool? Would you? Would they be? I mean, I think Nine Inch Nails predated Tool, but that's a good question. Early Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, it was industrial music. Like it was kind of taking industrial music and doing the MTV version of it. I said maybe it's actually. I'm, I have it the other way around. Smashing Pumpkins later kind of introduced a lot of electronic elements into right. their music later in the decade that I think was perhaps influenced by uh, Trent Reznor. Who else it's was doing that thing? Who was they, doing this? They get lumped into like the kind of grunge and Alice in Chains and everything but they world, weren't. They were but they weren't. Thing. Yeah. If anything, they were more like bands I never listened to, like KMFDM and those things that you would see at the record store. You know what I think we did here, actually, Bob? I don't like when we do this, but we just uh, turned into a cul-de-sac blind spot. I bet there was, when this album hit, there were probably a ton of bands that were kind of influenced by this album, and we're just not thinking of them right now. Influenced by this album, but you're saying, like, who else was doing this? And of this this era, like, who was doing this music? Ah. Feel like a dumbass. I don't think so. I don't think we're missing much. I mean, again, because it's like because they were influential. They were very influential. Or he was. So wait, what's your question? Who were their peers? Or who, who they, did like, they? Who influence? was doing music like this in the mid nineties? Who was big and doing this like filter? You know, what I, like I think there were bands like Marilyn that, Manson, maybe Marilyn Manson, definitely. But yeah. I think that came think a little that, that came a little later. But I think that like they were influencing these bands, but I don't think anybody did it like Nine Inch Nails did it because this isn't accessible. Like Trent Reznor found a way to make this music accessible, but it, nobody else was really able to make it pop with the exception of like a Hey Man, Nice Shot kind of song here and there. Remember um, in Wildwood, New Jersey, Marilyn Man- Manson broke well before Sweet Dreams. Remember? Oh, yeah. They were, he was like the underground preferred like badass metal freak guy and you would see all like the dirtbag chicks with the shirt and mm-hmm. if you go to all the boardwalk places you would see Mar- Marilyn Manson it? everywhere Lunchbox or what was his first album it was something like that it was something like that and all the imagery imagery was you know very twisted and uh, that was well before Sweet Dreams landed and Pearl River you maybe uh, I don't know what song's next you maybe start the next song Pearl River has a bizarre Marilyn Manson connection don't really know this yes so Go on. Pearl River, uh, I wouldn't say it's famous for this, but Pearl River had something that made it famous for a minute in the mid to late 90s. We had the first reported or known moshing fatality. That's right. Was a, was a kid from Pearl River. That's right. 
So it became like news because mosh pits were getting a lot of like local news coverage of the day where it's like mosh pits. Are they dangerous? Like that was like a thing. It was thing. at a Marilyn Manson concert. So somebody, yes. So somebody was, I believe it was at a Marilyn Manson concert, but I know he like died in a mosh pit. And then there was like a Ricky Lake episode or That's like a right. Jenny Jones or one of the more serious ones, maybe. And Marilyn Manson <laughs> was serious. I did. <laughs> Marilyn Manson was the one um, defending like mosh that's culture. right and he so, had yet to like kind of break through on the mainstream and he was scale. there with the, this pearl river family who had lost their son who like went to stage dive and landed on hit the floor head. hit his head yeah we'll always have that here's march of the pigs another great title oh this song's so good meanwhile i'm googling pearl river plus mosh pit right. plus death Puff this part out. oh this is great I know this one. This is great. I, I love, love this album. I love this. It's so funny because, like, when we started going to concerts, like, I would be so excited to go into like a mosh pit at the Everclear concert, or like, like Weezer would have a pit, and you would just kind of jump up and down and kind of bump into people, and that was it. If I was in a mosh pit at a Nine Inch Nails concert, there's no way you're not just throwing haymakers. Like, right. This is fucking crazy. No, this is fight music. This is fight music. Um. Without giving away too much, because you know, there actually is a family involved here, but in 1994, there was a death involving a Pearl River kid, and but the band was Life of Agony. Okay. Is he going to do the thing again? Explode? Explode. Oh, no, it's the end of the song. <laughs> I love that one. Wait a second. That's got to be in the running for the playlist. Absolutely. I yeah, I love that. Plus, it's like a tight three three minutes. And plus, it's coming after Jewel, which nothing is better than this. And it's coming before, Bob. I think I've heard this one before. Do you hear that in the background? You can yeah. hear the end of the song in the background. I'm properly creeped out right now. You let me desecrate you. You let me penetrate you. You let me complicate you. Help me. I broke apart my insides. Help me. I've got no soul to sell. Mm. 
Mmm. The biggest hit Trent Reznor would ever have. Closer. Turned Nine Inch Nails into one of the biggest rock bands in the world. With a video, when videos mattered, that just blew up the universe. It was, oh. it was functionally the, one of the most perfect marriages of a song and a video you'll ever see. Like perfectly creepy yep. and like... Push, really pushing it without crossing the line. I think maybe that's what Trent Reznor did best was taking this kind of music, videos, the visuals, the aesthetics, and pushing it as far as he could without turning everybody off. Because it's so easy to turn everybody off. According to Wikipedia, it cemented Reznor's status as an industrial rock icon and remains one of his best-known songs. Reached number 41 on the Billboard Hot 100. The fact that it got to 41 sounding yeah. and looking like this is crazy. It was a number 25 hit on the UK singles chart. Number three in Australia. Good job, Australia. And uh, for, beyond radio, just was on loop on MTV uh, throughout 1994. I mean, looking and sounding like this with a chorus that is, I want to fuck you like an animal. And they would, so great. they would, they would record scratch the fuck out. But you, there's no other thing he's saying there. <laughs> no, it was exactly like in the video. There's a monkey. There's a monkey on a crucifix. Like there, there's that. It's one of those videos. And he's like, at one point he's like spinning, and he, there's all this like S and M type bondage mm-hmm. uh, stuff going on in it. Uh, it is so great. And and plus, being 14 years away from losing my virginity, this is what I thought sex sounded like. <laughs> not terrifying. like and not like the <laughs> terrifying. Not yeah, not like the uh, the the fear roller coaster, Mazzy Star sex. This was like this was like that like nasty sex that I didn't know anything about. Here are some of the things that happened in the video. Everyone remembers the heart. Remember the heart? Oh yeah, that beating heart. Yeah. It's connected to a device. The beat of the heart corresponds to the beat of the song. There's a little girl lounging on a chair. Always good to have a little girl. A nude bald woman with a crucifix mask. A monkey tied to a cross. A severed pig's head spinning on a machine. A diagram of a vagina. And Reznor, as I said, wearing various fetish gear. This sounds like sex to me. Yeah, this is on point. All right, let's listen to Bob losing his virginity. By the way, my favorite part of the song is when the music crashes back in after this. Let's listen to this. This is screaming album cut. Yeah. Reznor said the video, it might sound like we're hung up on the video, but it's it's tied to this song in a way that is very rare. The rarest of things occurred, Reznor said, where the song sounded better to me seeing it with the video. And it's my song. It's huh. true. Yeah. Shout out to Mark Romanek. Good job, Mark. I still remember sitting in a global studies class for over high school and uh, it was like we were taking a test and everything was quiet and all of a sudden a girl in the hallway just yelled, I want to fuck you like an animal. 
and the teacher stormed out full speed <laughs> to go send the person to the office. It was so exciting. <laughs> it was just like so was exciting. Was it Mrs. Miller? I kind of have a vague memory of that. <laughs> was it Miss Pierce? Peterson? Somebody like that. Peterson? Peterson, yeah. Yeah, something like she that. She didn't fuck around. No. Peterson didn't fuck around. Did not fuck around. Uh, and then uh, I'll just play this out because the song even ends. It's a perfect song with a piano at the end. Let's listen to it. And now that, that weird kind of creeping background, that was buried in the mix when the song started. Mm-hmm. My other my other unforgettable memory to this song is, um, I believe it was when our friend Brian got married. Um, oh no, it was at my wedding, the night before my wedding. Uh, we went to our friend Christine's room at the hotel and we played this on repeat <laughs> and we were just jumping up on like if we like turned all the lights off and we were just on the bed. I don't believe I was wearing pants. Gy- gyrating insanely. <laughs> and we would just play that song on repeat and just freak her out. It's a lot she of fun. Loved it. loved it. And shout out to Christine Ruiz, one of our <laughs> closest friends. Yes. Um, all right. Here's Runer, which segs very nicely. A nice little smooth transition into the next song. Here it is. Remember this one? Not really. Little mid-album fillery, perhaps? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean... No, maybe not. If you really wanted to celebrate my 40th birthday, you would have had a severed pig's head spinning on a (laughs) machine. Well, you know what, Danny just ruined the surprise. Bring it in, guys. (laughs) It's the same pig's head. It's completely decayed. Flies everywhere. Um, Okay. Sorry if there's any Ruiner fans out there. (laughs) Hope we didn't ruin it. Oh, nice. You still got it. 40 years young, still got it. One more good podcast than me. Here's The Becoming. This album's too long, by the way. It's 14 tracks. So it's not too long. 14 is bit. fine. Like, if you want to have your album uh, showcased on the Throwback Podcast, how about you make it 11 songs? Fucking idiots. Ooh, I'm just going to throw this out there for the, uh, for the screenwriters out there. Sometimes when you're trying to think of a title for, like, a screenplay, you just, like, look at artists you like to see, like, song titles, because maybe mm. that'll jar something. Looking at this track list, Nine Inch Nails, great movie titles. Yes. We, talk, we talked about this with the uh, Smashing call. Pumpkins during uh, the Melancholy podcast a million years ago. But like The Becoming sounds like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Probably was. You know, Piggy, March of the Pigs. Two tracks from now, if you tell me there's a new movie on Netflix called Big Man with a Gun, I'm watching it. Tuning in. All right, here is The Becoming.
Are those women screaming I, I think in fear so. and agony? They weren't in the studio. That was where the ghosts of Lucille. Yeah. That's a pregnant Sharon Tate. Oh, man. Did she get, did she get credit? Back up. This was the, uh, there was like a part of me at 14 that wanted to be this. You know, like. Okay. Well, you wanted to be mysterious and dark. Yeah. Which was never, which is the opposite of really what we are. Totally. But, we, you know, you're still figuring out who right. you are and you're like, maybe this is me. So you'd listen to an album like this and try to listen to The Becoming and see like, oh, yeah, there, there, there's a little bit of me in here. I kind of like this. I know you had a girlfriend in high school, but. Not till later. Yeah. I don't think our brand was really tailored for, you know, the high school experience in that in that sense. When you get in your 20s, it was it was more successful. But just the angle we were coming from, there was nothing dark or mysterious or like dangerous. No, it's just about it's, us. You are who you are. Right. But well, some I people think... try to actively try to change who they are and become like diehard Nine Inch Nails fans to try to take on that personality. I think to our credit, we never attempted to do any of that shit. Not that it would be something that appealed to us anyway. No, but we were at the right age at this time to to listen and see, kind of experiment with the "Am I the Becoming." Kind of thing. Yeah. I wasn't the becoming. No, I get it. A little more Rain King. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's keep moving. Uh, <laughs> I do like these song titles. Next up is I Do Not Want This. <laughs> this guy laying pipe all over the <laughs> Southland. <laughs> Like, he would summon women on their... He would call their home phones because nobody had a cell phone at this point. He's like, come up to Sharon Tate's house to get this pipe. Right. And they'd go. They'd just come right up to the most haunted house in Los Angeles. And they would, like, knock on the door and, like, some decrepit, like, old man would answer. You know? Like, he definitely had, like, right. some, like weird old man working for him. He'd be like, Trent's in the back. Like the cast of The Devil's Rejects or something. Yes. Like he would just have all those people just around him to build up the... I think Prince did similar stuff too. Like yeah. once yeah. he got famous, it was like, I'm going to take this like um, legend that's building around me and lean into it. Mm-hmm. I think Reznor absolutely did the same thing. Totally. I do not want this. I do. Maybe this is me, Dan. I just had to wait till I was a forty-year-old father of two living You're in damn Pasadena. Near Forty-one. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Don't even. Uh, influenced by Nine Inch Nails. Wow, that I never, I completely forgot about this. But of all people, David Bowie was influenced. Remember his music? Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All of a sudden, he had this whole Reznor vibe. And I don't know how popular it was, but it did. It put him back on the radar. Remember, I'm afraid of Americans. Yeah, yeah. Which might have even been produced by Trent Reznor because it certainly basically sounded like a Nine Inch Nails song. 
That's right. Let's see. Suicide, Big Black, Depeche Mode, Joy Division. Oh, those are the influencers. Okay, but it's the other way around. Bowie was influenced by the influencer. That's crazy you know? to think about. Imagine knowing you influenced David Bowie. It's got to feel pretty good. Yeah. I mean, how many artists Yeah, can be influenced by someone and then it gets turned around? It's a pretty nice moment. All right. That's fine. It's fine. I don't want to say like there's a limit to this this type of sound right now for me. Uh, but again, when I see 14 tracks, I start to get overwhelmed. Here's Big Man with a Gun. Great screenplay title. Great screenplay title. So, um, number one, I'm putting this on a playlist with glorified G for, you know, <laughs> ponderous gun control songs gun in the nineties. <laughs> <90s. laughs> uh, looking at the lyrics, Dan, Janie's got a gun. You get that in there. I know that's late eighties, but we can just let's do it. Let's just really just make a big, big old playlist of songs about guns. I don't know if this one's about a gun, Dan. I'd like for you to pull up the lyrics. All right. And, uh, big man with a gun, pulling it up kind of hard to hear what he's saying but I, I remember back then being like oh this is definitely not a song to the play what happened to the music is that oh that ended it ended like that <laughs> what the fuck oh that song's only a minute 36 all right hang on big man i knew at a young age not the song to play in the car with mom oh okay here we go here it comes all right here are the lyrics <clears throat> do you want to read it no i, I want you to okay. read it because it might turn me on i am a big man yes i am and I have a big gun. Got me a big old dick. <laughs> and I like to have fun. By the way, you don't write those lyrics unless you are packing heat. You gotta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't want to uh, like oversell and then right. underdeliver. You gotta. Held against your forehead, I'll make you suck it. What? Maybe I'll put a hole in your head, you know, just for the fuck of it. <laughs> I can reduce you if I want. I can devour. I'm hard as fucking steel and I've got the power. I'm every inch a man, and I'll show you somehow. Me and my fucking gun, I never can stop me now. Shoot, 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 shoot. We're talking about. I don't know. What's ejaculate? the next? I don't think so. I'm going to come all over you. Okay. okay yep, so, yeah, yep, 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 yep. that is what it was shoot, about. Shoot, 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 shoot. Yeah. I'm going to come all over you. Shoot, shoot, yeah, shoot, yeah. shoot, shoot. So, yeah, that's come. it. That's it. Right. Um, I missed that in the first listen. <laughs> what is that? So, all maybe, about? maybe not a gun control song. What is going on there? What is going on there? I think it's pretty, it's not subtle. Come up to the haunted house. Come up to the house. And listen to Big Man with a Gun with me. I'm going to put my dick through your skull. Interesting. Now I hope he has a tiny, like, member. It's one of the two. <laughs> like, the girl gets up there, she's all nervous, and then 
There's just like nothing there. Nothing at all. You need to get out the tweezers. A little nubbin. Yeah. Trent Reznor's tiny dick. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Probably not, though. You don't write that song unless you are feeling very confident about what's going on. Or you're wildly inadequate. But that's more like the car guys. Like, I buy into that, the guys that drive around with the... Like, when you see oh, John yeah. Lovitz tooling around Hollywood in a red Lamborghini, you're like, oh, well, John Lovitz, we know what's happening. With a license downstairs. plate that says John Lovitz? Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, all right, John, we understand what, what's going on. But if you're writing a song about it, I feel like that's coming from a place of actual confidence where you're backing up. Oh, I mean, he's totally not showy at all, the guy who recorded in Sharon Tate's house. <laughs> Come on. All right, here's a warm place, very atmospheric, it sounds. I am a fan of that, so let's listen in. No, no. My birthday. No, come on. <laughs> come on. Oh, no. Your microphone. <laughs> la, 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 la. To each his own. Yeah. Oh. I'll wait for you to <laughs> Oh, this is that guitar. That, has, that sounds a little Pearl jam but No, it doesn't. We gotta love each other. I gotta hear Tricky. Uh, if I'm not gonna get a severed pig's head on a machine, I'm getting this. <laughs> Stop! Come on. I was... Stop. Enough. No more. It's my birthday. He's still going. I was... I was... I was slipping into a warm place. (laughs) And I got Kowalchuk bombed. And Trick Daddy bombed. (laughs) Who is it again? Tricky. Tricky. (laughs) Trick Daddy. (laughs) Baby, I'm a thug. Is that right? I love this, by the way. This is my shit. Yeah, I like this. This is good, like, I'm writing a term paper that's due tomorrow music. Or it's like, this is what Sofia Coppola puts underneath when Bill Murray whispering something to Scarlett Johansson. Mm. Just has, like, a cool little feel to it. Okay. A warm place. And that's a apt it's title. It's the best possible song to follow a song about your hard dick bursting through a not skull. Not an accident. Certainly not an accident. Yeah. Excellent track. Analysis there, Bob. <laughs> Simple Creed, I believe, is track. Is it, is it, how, is it how Live 5 starts? No. Mind, let me look into that. Live. You don't have to. Five. Our people listening don't need to know this. I think it's how the album kicks off. It's like, motherfucker, we're here to change the world, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a little 37-second intro that goes right into Simple Creed with Tricky. Oh, so they're building up to Simple Creed. They want you to, like, get ready first. Mm-hmm. Are we still in Warm Place, or did no, we move on to Eraser? No, this is the next song. Okay. We're kind of just floating now. This is Reptile. Oh, what happened to Eraser? 
Oh, did we, uh, I missed the racer. I think you missed a racer. Sorry. Here's a racer. Interesting. So it's the kind of cool. Yeah. album takes this turn into a very. Uh, it we're moving out of choruses and traditional song structure into much more of like a uh, soundscape. This was him auditioning to I'm score. For it. This was him auditioning to score the Social Network, like for years later. That's right. This was his uh, resume piece. I don't know why I'm sure. I, it's a movie that I enjoyed and won awards. It's on Netflix at night when everyone else is in bed. I. I have been catching up on different movies, and I want to go back to that, but I can't. I don't know why. Did you like it? Oh, yeah. I liked it a lot when I saw it, but uh, I don't have any you know desire. You know what's better than a million dollars? A, a billion, billion dollars. dollars. That's the only reason I want to see it again. And, uh, yeah, I have no desire to see it again. I watched a great, great Jesse Eisenberg movie, um, The End of the Tour with Jason Segel. Okay. About uh, David Foster Wallace and the Rolling Stone writer. Right. Who uh, profiles his book tour uh, for Infinite Jest? Right. Have you seen that? No. Have you read Infinite Jest? Yes. You did. Not all of it. No. Some of no it. one did. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's tried to read Infinite Jest. Yeah, yeah. I read a little bit of it. Um, check it out, Bob. You would like it a lot. No. Why not? Not going to. Why not? Not going to. Personal reasons. This, who crossed you? Was it Seagal? It's Seagal. The same producers as Flock of Dudes. So <laughs> they did a nice job with that picture, Bob. That's what I hear. Damn. That's, what a, what a twisted world you live in. <laughs> All right. You heard a little reptile. That was a racer. So we're in a very atmospheric place. As I said, here's the downward spiral. The name also of the album, of course. Uh, Wait, now do we skip over reptile? We I'm, listened I'm to a little bit of reptile. Okay. got it. Yeah. That was also from what I could tell also very. Sure. Why not? I mean, we could go back to Reptile. No, I'm good. I'm good if you're good. This is a really cool way to structure an album, though. I kind of love it, yeah. Basically, six or seven traditional kind of like song structures in the in the vein of what you're known as. And then you turn into a movie soundtrack in the back half. And then you're sitting on... Movie score, what's, You're sitting on what's going to be a, a tremendous hit for you. Now, the fact that you don't remember this, Bob, do you think that you this was not an album you were consu- consuming as a whole and you were there were just certain tracks that were your thing? Absolutely, yeah. I think that I bought this album because I wanted to see if this was in any way, shape, or form me, and it was cool, and it was, you know, being lumped in with Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and all the music that we liked at the time. But I think it definitely didn't vibe with me as much as those other ones. And I do think I was bouncing around to Closer and Big Man with a Gun 
and March of the Pigs. <laughs> Wait, you were listening to Big Man with a Gun repeatedly as yeah. 14-year-olds? I related to it. Uh, no, I definitely didn't. <laughs> hurt. Um, you know, like you're kind of you're, you're bouncing around here. But I'm sure I wanted to listen to it from beginning to end and say I completely am Trent Reznor, but that never happened. All right. So again, I, uh, this is interesting. Not, not a real more soundscapes. All right, which takes us to the final song, which is, uh, I would say, one of the most well-known songs and then was covered by one of the most famous American artists. Say one of the most well-known songs, but not one of the most well-known Nine Inch Nail songs. Yeah, that's fair. The fact that it has like that five song build up to get to this is interesting too. Yeah. All right, here we go. Track 14. Could we have trimmed down a couple of those songs or just like combine them and get us to 12 tracks? Could have. Just a, a take. Myself today to see if I still feel I focus on. So cool hearing this version again, like version, hearing their their song again. And isn't this different than the video version? It is because I think the, the vi- live version, the live version, yeah, that's the one that uh, they released as probably released as a single, but it was definitely the video. Yeah. so glad this didn't just get buried at the end of the album and became something that was only known by diehards because it's such a great song it's so good and the video i remember having a on my vhs of mid 90s hits i remember that video which is just resner on a stage in front of fifty thousand people uh singing the song with a huge screen behind him of like a decaying fox and other animals attacking that's right and feasting in, in the wild and then, as Bob referred to, um, the song got kind of a, a whole new life when Johnny Cash covered it on American 4, The Man Comes Around. So let's listen to a little bit of that. This was like a legitimate hit in 2002. Yes. Yeah. 
I hurt myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain the only thing that's real the needle tears a hole the old familiar sting try to kill it all away but I remember everything what have I become my sweetest friend everyone I know goes away in the that's one of the best covers ever, oh, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Because not only is it a great choice of a song, and he was essentially doing standards, but standards of a lot of recent hits of the past 10, 15 years. He was covering Tom Petty and Depeche Mode and all sorts of In Excess. You too. Oh, yeah. He did one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, um, this just works because it's a guy, he died a year later, Johnny Cash, mm-hmm. and it sounds like a guy singing about his life and all his regrets. Yeah. Uh, it was just so perfect. So perfect. Personal Jesus, Bob. The B-side of this one. Uh, anyway, all right. That's awesome. It would be disrespectful to Nine Inch Nails to put that as the song. but Oh, that, so disrespectful. It would be. And I'm not saying we should, but that would be Trent Reznor would come addition. here and stick his big dick in your head <laughs> and poke a hole through the back of it. Because that's what he does. His little nubbin. <laughs> that's what he does. All right, uh, I have a strong feeling on what should be the song, but I want to hear from you, Bob. You own the album. I'm curious what you think. Well, before we pick it, we have to thank everybody who makes this podcast possible. The people who got me to get in my car, drive through a corona-infested Los Angeles to come to this garage, this sterilized garage, to sit hopefully hopefully six feet away from, uh, from the birthday boy over there. It's between four and six feet. Thank you to Courtney and Wyatt and Bruno, the sponsor, our top tier sponsors on patreon.com slash throwback pod and everybody who kicks in $2 a month, $6 a month, everything that you guys are doing. uh, We appreciate it. And if you're listening now, I know from the ATN podcast that and just we've heard some like data on this, that people are not listening to podcasts as much right now because everyone's schedules have been destroyed. I have not listened to your other podcast in a couple of weeks. Oh, go fuck yourself. Um, no, I, I, I didn't say no, that to no. be a dig. I just want... I've taken a person. I, I, Happy I, birthday I, to me again. Oh, Where's fuck. my pig head? <laughs> um, but people, uh, according to our numbers, Bob, are still listening to the throwback podcast. They are. So, so thank maybe, you to everybody. Maybe this is the podcast that matters. Okay. I mean, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> that's now. how I'm going to look at it. So thank you to everybody. And we're going to pick an album to put on our throwback podcast. Did you playlist. say patreon.com slash throwback pod? Not as cleanly as you just did. So okay. thank you. I think I know what to pick. Let's hear it. I think we both got excited for March of the Pigs. You're right. You're goddamn right, Bob. Be, I mean, why not? Coming after uh, <laughs> you were meant for me. Oh this God. is the right pick. You're, so you're telling me we actually released the Jewel podcast? Oh, yeah, that came out. I know you never listened to it. 
I know that immediately once we uh, logged off on our two different garages, you didn't even think about it again. That I, was the uh, for for you to know. I need to I need to reiterate this to you because you got some of my passive aggressive text messages. The most some of my favorite, the most difficult fucking episode uh, I've ever had to deal with because not only. And I respect the hell out of you for it, Bob. Not only did I have to like fix my audio, fix the audio, sync the audio so it sounded like we were having a conversation. Uh, I had to get the jewel. I had to buy the jewel album. Bob and I weren't actually speaking to each other. We just guessed what each other were saying (laughs) about each song. And then Bob would stitch it together like a Frankenstein monster. Pretty accurate. I uh, had to buy the jewel album. Then, of course, we decided that we were going to do the other version of Foolish Game. So I had to buy that separate. We had uh, Fountains of Wayne. Then we went off on a little tangent. Bob, the- Bill Parcells is a famous line. Don't tell me about the labor. Show me the baby. No, I don't I, think anybody cares. I want everybody to know that at the end of the episode, not only were you like, let's play some more Jewel songs that created more work for me. but <laughs> it's, More money for us. But at one point during hands, you're singing along to the side that only you could hear. So then I was tasked. I was tasked with getting hands and then syncing it up to you singing what you could oh, hear. Cares. I cared. And so this is my way of letting oh, it all out. Venting? This oh, is the yeah. real reason I'm here tonight, is to, to say fuck you to your face. Go fuck yourself. Happy birthday. Thank you so much, Bob. And that, I know it's coming from a warm place in that icy heart of yours. So oh, my God. This, this song wish. helped me. This song helped me get it all out. Uh, yes, follow us on Twitter, at ThrowbackPod, Instagram, ThrowbackPod. Email us, thethrowbackpod at Gmail. And yes, patreon.com slash throwbackpod. Thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, we will be back. Next week, or in two weeks, with another uh, new episode. Thank you for following and supporting. Uh, Till then, Bob. We'll see you at Piggy Studios. I mean, I'm not saying my catchphrase was ever going to carry, but that wasn't exactly it. No, I didn't like it either. Till next week. Maybe that's our phrase. (laughs) The pigs have won tonight. Till next time, the pigs have won tonight.